This is the Wells of Salvation, and I'm Brother Paul Bryson. Welcome. We are going to be reading in the 22nd chapter of the book of the Revelation, beginning with verse 1, and we're going to read about some promises that are laid down for all the children of God that will join those saints that have already gone on to be with the Lord. We're going to join them, and we're going to sing praises and worship Him forever and forever and forever. So that's a long time, isn't it? It has no end to it. So let's read. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. <clears throat> and I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And he that is unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, for they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dog, <coughs> excuse me, and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and of the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. 
and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, God shall take away his, uh, sorry, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and things which are written in the book. He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a chapter of Scripture. Here we are given an insight of what waits for the people of God. It's going to be joy. It's going to be peace. It's going to be happiness. Unlike anything that has ever been experienced on this earth. Because he tells us back in the 21st chapter that there's not going to be any more sea. You know, a lot of people are drowned, uh, never found out in the waters of the sea. There'll be no more sorrow. You'll never cry ever, ever again. Because that's what he says in that same verse. No crying. No pain. How many people go to bed every night hurting so badly that they can hardly go to sleep? There'll be no more curse. You know, there was a curse that was put on the earth because uh, there was uh, a sin that entered into the world. And there's going to be no night there. Uh, may I say that this is a sharp contrast to what the wicked will be experiencing at the same time that we're in a place where that there's no night. In hell, there's going to be the blackness of darkness forever. And he also said, there'll be no more death. What about that? How many of us cry? How many of us worry that we're going to lose a loved one that has cancer or very bad heart trouble or some kind of of illness that's going to take them out of this world. We worry about them, don't we? Because we love them. We realize that we're going to be separated soon because of death. But what about what our Lord Jesus Christ has for us? Like Isaiah said in the 25th chapter and 8th verse, he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all the earth, for the Lord God has spoken it. How about that? All this rebuke 
that people are doing to radio stations or preachers that are preaching the gospel. Uh, God's going to take care of that. I can't. I don't want to. But that's his job. That's his office. He'll do it. He'll do it well. But I want us to look at this thing called death for just a moment. Uh, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be taken uh, out of the equation. It's going to be something that will uh, be our last enemy. And that's what the book says uh, in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians in the 26th verse. He said, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. We may have enemies here in this world that can hurt us, that does hurt us. But what about whenever that enemy of death, when we come, listen, let me just say this. When a child of God has to meet death and they go out on the field of battle, I'm talking about here comes death and here's the child of God. We thought, but when we go out to the field of battle, death won't show up because it's been destroyed. Listen to what the Bible says, beloved. In the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, in the 54th verse, listen to this. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. See, this body that we live in is corruptible. It's, um, well, it's going to die. It's full of corruption. And it must die. But then we're going to change clothes, as it were. We're going to put on incorruption, which means nothing of a corruptible nature will be in that body. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. In other words, we are mortals. We'll just live so long and then we die. But we're going to put on a new body and a new life that cannot die because it's eternal like God. It was born of God and therefore, it cannot die. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And that's what Isaiah had said. He was the prophet that said that. And that's the reason that uh, where I read the scripture to you, he said he was, the angel said, I'm of the brethren of the prophets. See, he's telling John the same thing. And Paul is writing about this. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now see, if we had no Bible, if we had no gospel, we would be ignorant concerning the things that are eternal, both in heaven and in hell. It wouldn't make any difference. We just wouldn't have uh, 
any way of knowing these promises that God is making. And because we do know them, then that gives us a great deal of hope. And, you know, it's like this. I, I keep remembering back in Liberia when they had that Ebola crisis, all those people dying because they were so sick they couldn't live. But those of them that had been saved, as they were nearing their last, they had a great hope that just beyond this veil of tears was a land of perfect day. And they were going there to inhabit that place where that there was a river of life proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And now listen to what God has promised us. In the 21st chapter of Revelation, in the fourth verse, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Can you imagine that? A time when there won't be any need for you to weep. No no crying. You're not going to have to cry anymore. We cry here because we have tears of joy. We have tears of sorrow. But one day we won't need the gladness of sorry, uh, the uh, tears of gladness anymore because we'll be in a place where it's going to exceed gladness. It'll be a joy that is a divine joy that's given us by the Holy Spirit that will never have a flaw in it. It'll never be uh, set aside or parked anywhere. But God's going to uh, wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Think of that. No more death. Loved ones. I can look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and just know they are not going to die anymore. I can look at any of God's people around me and just know that they're not going to be dying anymore. Only thing about that is that we won't have the thought of death. There won't, won't be any reason for us to uh, have any thought of death or to weep over a loved one that is dying or going to die uh, because uh, God has wiped away all the causes of death, the things that make us cry. Those, those things are going to be gone. These people who break our heart because they laugh and mock at uh, what uh, God has said. And you know what? Uh, I would just like to warn all of you that do such things that one day you're going to uh, hear God laugh and he's going to have the last laugh. Did you know that? Yeah, he said in the first chapter of the book of, um, let's see, that would be the book of Proverbs, I will laugh when your calamities come up on you as a whirlwind. And, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, 
a time whenever your fear will come as desolation and your destruction as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. And then shall they call upon me, but I'll not answer. You see, there's going to be a time when all these mockers of God, of his word, of his church, of his men that preach the gospel, then there's going to be a time that they will absolutely call upon him. He said, you'll call on me, but I'll not answer. They'll seek me early, but they'll not find me. And for they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of, uh, the, fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Now, friends, I want to tell you something. You're talking about uh, a time whenever people are going to really want the Lord. They're going to want him then, but it's too late. He's going to laugh at their calamities. He's going to mock them. Whenever their fear comes up on them, as, like he said, as a whirlwind. Now, let me say that uh, I, I don't want God laughing at me. I don't want him mocking me, but he will. Those of you that have other gods on this earth that you think more of and you uh, worship more uh, than anything else, that's your God, and he's going to laugh at you. He'll say, in effect, I don't know what he's going to say, but it'll be something in our way of thinking. Like, okay, you served your God all your life. Now then, call on him. Call on him. See if he'll answer. What about those of you, and I say this with all the love in my heart, that goes to a temple and you worship these uh, concrete gods. They're painted up beautiful. They look good, don't they? But they're they're not God. They're not the living God. There is only one true and living God. And that's the one that has uh, loved us and blessed us enough to give us this book, the Bible, so that we'd know the future, what awaits on us who are saved, and that the wicked could know what is awaiting on them whenever they die. Oh, it's going to be awful. And, you know, this world in the condition that it is in and has been and will be, uh, God's going to come put an end to it. He said, surely I come quickly. You know, that's the last thing in the book of Revelation that the Lord said was, surely I come quickly. Now, to the wicked, he'll say, depart. That's the last word to the wicked. But to us who are saved, he's saying, surely I come quickly. So I don't know when he's coming. You don't know. There's none of these false prophets that know. They set these dates, and it, they come. The dates come and go. It doesn't happen. And it's not going to. Jesus said when he was... Uh, uh, preaching in the 24th chapter of Matthew, he said, well, uh, you know, neither the day nor the hour. My coming is going to be like a thief in the night. 
Well, how does the thief in the night come? They don't want to wake you up. They want you to sleep while they take what you have worked hard for and they steal it. They don't want to awaken the neighbors. And so you see, that's the way a thief comes. Now, Jesus won't be a thief and take uh, part of us out and leave the rest of us. He's not going to do that. But what he is going to do, he's going to come in an hour, like he said, in an hour that you think not. The Son of Man cometh. So it'll be, uh, Senator Friend, it's going to be when you're not expecting it. It'll be more quickly than a flash of lightning. And you'll be jerked before that judgment bar and given account for the deeds done in your body. And oh my, oh my, what a day, what a day, what an awful day that's going to be. But what about those of us that will never have to deal with death anymore? We'll never have to deal with sorrow anymore. We won't even have to uh, be on the verge of crying. Sometimes, you know, you don't cry, but boy, you get awful close, but you won't have that to deal with anymore. And as I've already said, what about how many people go to bed of the night hurting so badly that they can't go to sleep? And what about when they uh, hunger, they don't have enough to eat? But there's a day that they'll hunger no more. They'll have pain no more. And a lot of people even have to get up of a morning with pain, and they start the day with pain. Some hurt so badly that they can't get out of the bed hardly. Have to have help. But you see, death itself will be vanquished. It won't be there anymore. And it's going to be a time whenever the saints are going to be glorified. Now, I'm not talking about St. Bartholomew or any saint like that. I'm talking about the true people of God. That's the saints. All right. Let's look at it like this. Jesus said in the 13th chapter of Matthew, he said, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Wow, what a day. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias. You see, Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there these two men talked with him, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, his dying, which should uh, he should accomplish at Jerusalem. See, uh, there was the head of prophecy, and there was the head of the law, Moses and Elijah. They were talking to him about, see, they had prophesied of his death. He was coming to die. He was coming to pay for our sins. So that all these glorious things that we've been reading to you about out of the Bible, they could be real. They could be something we could experience. And so uh, Paul in writing to the Romans in the 8th chapter, he said, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, 
If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. And writing to the Philippians, he said, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And he wrote to the Colossians and said, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Think about that. And, uh, you know, again, let me go back to the book of Romans, just a moment, in the 8th chapter, when, in the 18th verse, when he said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, it's going to be an all-glorious day. And my friends, my friends, listen to God. Listen to what he's promised you. Don't be weary and well-doing, as James tells us. And to the Corinthians in the second book, fourth chapter, 17th verse, Paul said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Think about that. The Bible is saying that our affliction that we're going through now is a light affliction. It's not as heavy as it was on Christ. And though Paul said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the, foul, uh, the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And Peter in the fifth chapter said, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. He never said he is a pope. He just said he was an elder. He was a preacher. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. See, he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was there at the cross but he ran. And also, in spite of the fact that he didn't stay with the Lord all the time, he will be a partaker, he said, of the glory that shall be revealed. Friends, what a Savior, what a God we serve. He's living. He is loving. And he cares about you. And, sinner, I have to tell you this because it's in the Bible that he said that God was angry with the wicked every day. There's not a day that you have lived since you become accountable that God has not been angry with you. He's angry. You're breaking his law. You're offending him. And there's... Uh, nothing you can do to save yourself. You see, sin, listen, sin is in the blood. That's the reason Jesus had to have pure blood in order to save us. He shed, he didn't spill it. He shed it. He did it of his own will. And therefore, you need him. 
You may think you need a lot of things, and you might. I'm not going to dispute that, but I'm going to tell you that you need him much worse than anything else that you can think of. So please, seek him, as the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the unrighteous man forsake his way and the sinner man uh, his thoughts. You need to forsake all that. It's not worth anything. It's just going to bring you down to hell. If, if, if you don't turn to the Lord while you still can, and I trust you will, because today is the day, as Jonah said, of salvation. And it says, if you hear his voice calling, harden not your heart. I hope, I hope and I pray to God that you seek him while you still can. May God richly bless you and yours and listen again next week.